Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Sean Burton, who is CEO and founder of Hiring Stall. Hi, Sean. Hey, John. How are you? You in there? Yeah, yeah. So welcome to the show. Would you take a moment and introduce yourself um, to the audience? Sure. Well, you, you did a great job. I'm I'm Sean Burton. I'm uh, the, one of the founders and the CEO of of Hiring Solved, and um, been in the been in the industry. Didn't know anything about HR tech when I got here. I guess that's I'll share that about myself. Didn't know anything about HR in general, and uh, so it's been a steep seven or almost eight year learning curve. That's fantastic. It's been it's been full of twisty turns uh, as as you've gotten to know the space. What led you to be here? So, I'd been doing startups for a long time. Did my first one in, in uh, the year two thousand. It's crazy as that is. Um, and in two thousand nine, after doing a bunch of you know tech stuff, engineering stuff for a long time. I'm sitting in San Francisco, and as you, it's the very beginning of 2009, things were uh, upside down. Um, and a friend of mine who was a great recruiter talked me into starting a, a recruiting company. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I had only ever been recruited at that point, and I thought, wow, this is going to be this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm a, I'm an engineer. We're sitting in San Francisco. Uh, I know this great recruiter and Let's do it. And and you know, it was one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. We we uh we did have some early success and we scaled that business into a multi million dollar business, but uh the amount of work that we had to do, um and just the type of work and how grueling it was 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 quite a shock to me. And that's that's what gave me the idea, at least, of uh of hiring solve and put us on the path of figuring out how do we make this a little a little less soul crushing in terms of the uh, uh, the workload. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, so tell me about hiring solve. What is it? What does it do? So, hiring solves. You know, like the name says, we, we're trying to solve hiring for the for the last eight years. What we what we do is we look at data. Uh, we are very good at at uh, structuring data. So I think nowadays they're calling us. It's early. It's early in the morning for this question, John. I got to say, um, I, I think we're being called a talent intelligence company now. What we do, like I said in the in the story of how we got here, what we do is try to figure out how to make hiring easier. Um, materially, what that means is there are there are things in the recruiting workflow and the hiring workflow that are extremely labor intensive. Um, for example. Today, you know, maybe it's sorting through and, and figuring out who in the in the thousand or two thousand applicants that you just got, who are you going to call first? Uh, and to do that, the human has to look at every resume, for example, look at every application. So we do that work, uh, some of that work for you, do a first pass for you automatically. Um, and then other functions like like that. If you think about, uh, I, I always think about what we do as a we try to solve the data problem in recruiting. The data problem is. Uh, there's just too much data, right? And humans are really, really good at pattern matching, and recruiters are amazing at um, at figuring out the pattern and understanding who's going to fit. But when you look at it from the perspective of 
now you have to do that on, you know, a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand applicants. Um, all of a sudden, it it goes the other way, right? It gets too hard to to do um, that function. So that's where we step in. Um, we do a lot of stuff with that's like that with data and and uh, deriving intelligence from data to arm the recruiter so that they can quickly sort through it. Um, our missions uh, a lot like autopilot in the Tesla, right? It's it's we're not trying to replace the human. We're trying to, you know, give the human a bunch of information and sort through it very, very quickly and say, here's what we think you should do. That's really interesting. That that's really interesting. So so this means that you are trying to make sense out of the increasingly monstrous piles of job applications. Um, um so, so you get this ten thousand applications, say, for a job, um, and, um, and 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 let's say that let's say that fifteen percent of those applications are good enough to hire. Um, yeah. How do you sh how do you show that? The, the the question of how you visualize this kind of data is central to your work, um, and so yeah. so let's let's talk a little bit about about. It, well, it used to be looking for a needle in a haystack, and now it's looking for a needle in a haystack for needles. And um, um, how do you help? How do you help there? Well, I, you said the right word, which is visualize. Um, you know, I always look at it as the the type of math that we use to to do this function is all has been around since the fifties. You know, it got a little better in the 80s, but it's all old open source math, right? It's, everybody has it. Um, that's not really the secret sauce. The secret sauce is how do you instrument that and how do you interface that and visualize that to the human so that they can do something with it. And and that's, you know, when we think about how does that work, uh, we we look at something like, sure, 10,000 applicants. Um, we have a technology we call transparent scoring. Um, what it does is it, it uh, shows the recruiter exactly what it's looking at, and that's one of the big problems in automation today is, you know, it's very hard to get something that, that works well and does something for you, but also is very, very explainable and understandable by the person. So that's, we spend a ton of time uh, working on that and getting, getting a happy medium where, but at the, at the end of the day, it comes out as one to five stars. So all 10,000 applicants are gonna land somewhere between one and five stars, five being the best. Uh, so that's how it's visualized. Uh, and then beyond that, it's, you know, it's very important for the interface to constantly be reminding the, the person that's using it, this is what this means. This is why this person's five stars. And you had a hand in deciding what was five stars and what was two, you know, two and three and four. So, so that's, you know, and that's just one of the features, but that is material kind of, what that allows you to do is uh, there's a lot of complexity underneath that, but what it allows the user to do is say, uh, in real time, very quickly, work on that scoring algorithm to get to something that feels comfortable. And then once we've got, you know, maybe, like you said, maybe it's 100 people from that 10,000 or maybe it's 50 or whatever it is, we can continue to filter it down by things, you know, the normal things people do, like location or, um, you know, additional additional components that maybe we didn't put in the requirements initially. Um, down to an even smaller list, or, or and then we can operate on that. So um, that's what, that's a lot of today. What what people are thinking about? Uh, we've 
had that function for you know for over a year it's in our newest version of the software and you know it's becoming quite handy right now so so you've been at this eight years and as i understand it there are six versions of the software the, the, the one that's on the streets now is version six uh, what's the evolution been like that's 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 a long time to be working on a problem <laughs> it's a really hard problem uh, it, it turns out I always joke with my co-founder. You know, had had we known how how complex HR tech was, we would have just started a video game company. Uh, and and uh, yeah, probably would have eight games by now. <laughs> but but uh, no, it's a good question. So 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 the evolution has been, um, and and by the way, the the reason that that is true, and I, I always. Uh, I love this industry now because it is so hard and I, and there's so many people now rushing into it, but, uh, you know, software is, is hard to build no matter what to, to make it good. HR tech software, uh, it's not enough for it to just work well. It ha it's in a heavily regulated industry and it's working on people. So it, it, it's quite a bit different. So when we look at that, um, you know, version one was, I mean, honestly, version one was really just search. You know, it was it was things were hard to search, and the very first version had uh, we were we were a social aggregator, a people aggregator, I guess. Uh, and you know, most people know if they look back far enough and look back far enough in our history, we got around version four. So we're now at version six, like you said. Around version four, we got sued by LinkedIn, um, and what we were doing was you know, back then we were making, looking at all of this data, some of which was LinkedIn and doing things like figuring out if, you know, a person had a LinkedIn account and a GitHub account, for example. And that was one of those things that at that time, it took a lot of human effort to do. And it was one of the things that team in that little recruiting company would do manually uh, using Google and all kinds of big Boolean streams and things like that. So, that's that's been this evolution. Is the, in the very beginning, we, we we have been thinking about things like matching and scoring from the very beginning. Uh, the very very first website that we ever built talked about that stuff, and the first thing we ever built back in 2011 was a was a matching system. But as what we found and how things have changed in the industry is that that was not very. When we went to try to sell that back in 2012, people didn't want it. People didn't like the idea of matching, uh, and we got some, and, and that's been a really interesting thing to see change in in the industry. Is that back in 2012, what we could sell and what we really became known for was search, very fast, incredibly fast, faster than faster than anyone had ever seen, and good to use and nice to use and, and smart search, because what we got feedback on early on was I don't want your matching. I don't want a machine to tell me who to hire or who to look at or who to call. Um, that's completely changed uh, as far as, and, and it, it's funny because the technology really hasn't for us changed a ton. And I go back to, you know, it's the 1950s math anyway. Um, so, you know, now everybody not only wants things like matching and automated, you know, ranking, stack ranking, whatever you would call it, but they, they expect it to sort of work a certain way. So that's been an interesting evolution. And, and I see it as we, you know, still today, I think of a lot of what we do is, 
is making sense of information, structuring information at, at a very high scale, and then making and then presenting it to the user in a very easy to access way. Um, and some of that still is search, but now this other stuff like um, this, you know, ranking and, and matching and, and analytics and other other functions are now being put in the system. And so, you know, think, I, I've been, you know, thankfully we, we've just gotten to a place where, um, you know, we're 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 very viable now in a post-COVID world, and that's something we've always been trying to understand is what will happen when the market changes, and you know, you have what you have today, which is a lot of people unemployed. So um, we've been working on that problem for a while too. But that's sort of the evolution is, you know, originally search and now something just quite a bit smarter than that. that that's interesting. So the market is catching up with you. What do you, what do you suppose um, is driving the move from wanting to do complex and precise Boolean search into trusting the machine to do that for you, basically? Isn't that, isn't that the transition? It, it sort of is, and, and to me, I see it as, I see this exact same thing um, has happened in other areas of technology. Uh, you know, for example, I, I was a, I was a security network and security engineer, uh, and uh, back in the '90s, it was very, it was very kind of complex, and everything was, you know, these these textual interfaces. And a lot, in a lot of ways, we all made our living that way. And Cisco had to do very hard certifications, incredibly hard, you know, CCIE. And at some point, it started to change over. And I remember seeing in my career, I remember seeing someone else bring out a machine, you know, a machine network, a network, uh, you know, gear that sort of had a graphical user interface and kind of did a lot of the stuff for you, the stuff that we would do. Uh, we would type commands into these things to do. Um, and it's interesting we watch that evolution. Uh, still today, there are people that that make a tremendous amount of money knowing that stuff. They know how to do it manually, um, and they are you know sort of the top one or ten percent or something something like that. And that's still good. I, I see that still today with people that know Boolean. Um, is you've got this very top layer, and they're very very good at it, and they can still do amazing things, uh, even with our software. And we have a really verbose uh, Boolean syntax and, and probably one of the best, but the problem is you can't really get that many of those people, right? You can't you can't rely. I mean, and that was a problem for Cisco. That's actually why they started to make it easier back in the day in, in network engineering stuff. Cisco realized, gosh, we can't sell enough Cisco boxes because they're too hard. Not enough people that know how to use them and work on them to sell more of them. So they started to try to make them easier because it was it made it the technology more accessible. And I, I see that I see that exact same thing here. Is you know, Boolean is amazing if you really truly understand it, and all of the operators and the, and the language to it. Um, you know, our search has probably 35 uh, operators that that are beyond the original Boolean and or not, right? Uh, so you can do all kinds of stuff. But the amount of people that are, have an appetite to actually do that uh, and to learn that and to do it really well is very limited and, and, and that hasn't changed. So uh, what I see is, you know, now that, now that the interfaces have gotten better, there's a trust problem with automation. You don't, you don't trust it. The human doesn't trust it. I always think about, you know, would you buy a car without a steering wheel? We've had these automated systems for a while. You know, I've personally had a Tesla for 
almost four years, and it's always had self-driving, but I wouldn't buy it without a steering wheel because I still don't trust it, and for good reason. It's not just tried to kill me a few times. So uh, <laughs> so I just see this evolution, you know, but I do use it. It, it is good enough to use, and sitting in traffic in Southern California, um, I'm happy to have, I'm very happy to have it, right, because it's taking that load off of me. I don't want to do that driving that's less frustrating to use it. So I think that's that's the evolution that I see is that, you know, in two, in 2020, the systems have gotten better um, and they've gotten better at explaining what they're doing. And so people are, people kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, this isn't so bad, kind of like the spam filter. You know, same thing with that. Originally, we didn't trust it. I don't want a machine telling me what email I should read. But it got better and better and better. And eventually today, you know, that's that's actually something we're quite willing to offload. So I think that's what, a lot of what's happening. That's interesting. So so um, how do you help your customers trust um, the machine, right? Because that that that's basically what you're saying is over time, people have started to trust that the machine will do an adequate job. Um, um, but that's a, that's almost a conversion process, right? It, it's it's got to have been nightmarish to build a business over eight years on that premise when the when you're that far ahead of the market. So so what's that been like? It's I mean, fortunately, we've had really smart people that are at our customers or our advisors that have helped guide us along the way. And and what we've learned is. Um, that you know th those original systems that we built were completely opaque they they would make a decision and just say this is the this is the answer this is the one like a calculator does and you didn't get to see any of the inputs or what went into that and that was very scary yep. to people uh, especially especially if you're taking a list of you know hundreds or thousands of people down to 10 um, that that is very jarring to, to people, and you see the same thing in, in most automation systems, like uh, you know, uh, the autopilot type systems is, a, is another one. Um, so what we've found is that you know, there's a great bit of subtlety and importance around the interface of these systems and how how they communicate and how well they instrument their process and what they're doing with the, with to the to the user, and let the user you know, I always think of it as, uh, you know, I'm a geek, so Iron Man. Iron Man has, Iron Man is a person inside of a suit, and inside of that suit, they have Jarvis, uh, which is the AI that helps control Iron Man. And Jarvis doesn't control Iron Man. Jar Jarvis doesn't pilot the suit at all. Um, but it does, the suit's very complex, and it has all these crazy functions. So what Jarvis does is translates what that human wants to do, Tony Stark, what he wants to do, and also give helpful insight, right? So, so rather than piloting the ship or piloting the suit, Jarvis says, hey, there's 16 inbound missiles. They're closing at, a, at this rate. I suggest you break left. Um, and it's displaying at the same time. That's what's so cool about, you know, sort of looking at this example. It's displaying this great infographic on the screen, and you see all this, you see what it's, what it's doing and what it's tracking and why it's recommending that. Um, and so that was an early inspiration for, for what we do. And we, we've been guided along the way by people in the industry that actually were explaining to us why this is 
you know, what it, what it needs to be. If you have a system that's learning automatically, uh, for example, one of the people that was a customer that we hired, Heather Thomas, um, said to me a, a long time ago, hey, this is great, but uh, it, it learns, right, over time. And I said, yes. She said, well, how do I know when it's done learning? Like, how do I know when it's had enough to make something good? Because it, it gives recommendations right away. So, you know, stuff like that, you know, we had a lot of great input from users telling us what this instrumentation should be. And originally there was not, it, was just, it literally was just like, here's the answer. And, and so now it's evolved to a place where we're, we're getting to that more of that Iron Man sort of scenario where the system is ingesting and, and processing and understanding a bunch of data. And then it's visualizing that for the user and saying, uh, I think this is a I think this is a five star candidate because of these things, and then the user has the opportunity to say, "Well, here's where you're wrong, or let's change that, or um, you know, influence that behavior and see and see in, in real time how that affects everything else." So um, there, there's more of a give and take between the user and the system, and I think that's you know that's the across the board with these automated interfaces, same same thing. Uh, that that's the thing that you have to get right. It's not so much the, you know, the math part. It's not so much the can you match people to a job description and some of that stuff. It's really how do you do that because that is always going to be imperfect. You know, that's the other thing. That's always going to be imperfect. So how do you do that in a way that is helpful and gets the user some assistance without making it, but, but also let them understand what you're looking at and influence it and, and therefore trust it. That's interesting. So so part of what you're suggesting and, and, and I imagine I imagine that this functionality is part of the product, but, but part of what you're suggesting is that the real job description exists when you find the right person rather than you start with an approximation of what that is and you get results associated with what that is. And then the recruiter tweaks those results because they're not quite right. Um, and so, so yep. what they're doing, in fact, is modifying the job descriptions sort of on the fly. Um, I wonder if you've thought about how you would document that on the back end. Right? So you, you said, you, said yep. you wanted six years of underwater basket weaving, but it turns out that you'll take two. You might want to notice this in exactly. your next job description. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the kind of hit that on the head is uh, we, this is part of the reason why it's so important is that job descriptions are inherently terrible. They just are. And we've, we've seen more of them than almost any other company. Cause we, we look at every U S job description that's published every, everyone in the United States, we look at it every week. So we're, we have a, you know, system do that to your point. They're, on average, pretty bad. So, so that is part of what the human equation does here is translates that into what the real world is. Um, as they as they are having these conversations with the hiring manager, as they are doing the things that humans do that the machine can't know about, right? The machine has to operate in this world of that's the job description and this is the resume and that that's what I have to work on. So, bringing bringing that in exactly as as the job description in fact is tweaked. One one thing that we started to do. Uh, just this year is also instrumenting that using that data to instrument that for the for the user as well which i and by that i mean hey 
you know, here's this job description. It's this title. It's, it's these requirements. Did you know that the last five people that were hired for this, here's what they looked like? Um, and so, there, you know, we find this incredible wealth of data, for example, in our, in our customers where exactly as you said, job description says it requires a, you know, a PhD, but the last three people hired had a bachelor's degree for the same role, you know, or, or, or for something that the system thinks is very, very similar. Um, so bringing the power of that information forward, because we all know that's, that is a lot of the, uh, the intricacy here, and, and that's part of the game here is, is built, that's why HR tech is complex, by the way. It's, it's so complex, it's, aside from the regulation and all the stuff. You're working always on, the, the system is always working on an imperfect set of data, and there's always a side channel conversation going on in the human world that the system is not going to be privy to. As you sat down and had coffee with that hiring manager and said, you know, Farah, do you really need, you know, 10 years of, of JavaScript? <laughs> um, oh, no, actually, that makes sense. Great. Um, and maybe they update the job description. Maybe they don't. Usually not because it's published, right? Right. That, that's interesting. I, I could talk to you all day. We're, we're running towards the end of the time. Um, um, is there anything you want to let the audience in on? Um, uh, new functionality coming down the road, or the 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 final release of the new version. Anything you want to add? Oh my gosh! I, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leak too much. Um, I will say that the the next piece that we're building right now is really this incredibly powerful analytics package that can work. Uh, and it's some of the stuff I just alluded to, you know, it, it gives you the ability to visualize, you know, things like success profiles and, you know, who's who's really worked uh, here in this position before and where have we hired and 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 what does this what does the system consider more relevant? So we're taking this idea of of instrumentation and, and analytics and information uh, a large step forward and building that as something that could be a standalone product uh, in that sense that you can just explore your own data and understand what you're actually doing and what you're hiring and what your talent pool is and how how the shape of this. So a lot of that's already baked into our system in different areas, but we are expanding that uh, greatly in the next, uh, in the next piece, in the next uh, release. I think, I think the one thing we might have missed in this conversation that would be useful for people to know is that, that hiring solve um, straddles the ATS and the CRM and other pipeline sources so that you get a comprehensive single point picture of everybody who's in your system. Um, and I believe you have an operating theory about sourcing that's something like um, um, if you're a sizable company and you've been recruiting for 10 years, you have everybody you're going to hire in your database already. Is that a fair way to go out? Absolutely. We, we look at it as you, you are sitting on the gold mine of data, but the gold mine is a mine. We are the mining tools. The mine never said it was easy to get the gold out of it. And sort of that's your ATS, CRM, HRIS. They're a gold mine. But gold mines aren't actually hard. They're, they're actually quite hard to get the gold out. Right? We're the mining tools. Got it. 
Thanks, Sean. I really appreciate the fact that you took the time to do this today. Would you reintroduce yourself and tell people how they can find out more about Hiring Solve? Sure. I'm I'm Sean Burton. I'm the CEO of Hiring Solved. Uh, you can find out more information by going to HiringSolved.com, uh, going on Twitter, uh, slash HiringSolved, and then I'm also on Twitter, just slash S-H-O-N, Twitter.com slash Sean. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you taking the time to do this. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Sean Burton, who is the CEO of HiringSolved. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now.